Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Slava and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Sarush. Hey everyone. So we've come to the finale of the job acquisition series. This is the fourth portion of the four-part series. And today we're talking to you about how to prepare for massive success in your first month on a job. So in the previous podcast, you found your dream clinic. You rocked the interview, negotiated favorably in a respectful manner, but while staying true to yourself. And now you're coming to the clinic excited to fulfill your passions. And on that note, let's get down to business. So what's your biggest goal in the first month is to develop a working style in the clinic that you're comfortable with in the early stages and then refine it as time goes on. So the three components that will help with that are understanding your clinic processes, optimizing your personal work environment, and establishing the right relationships with all the players. So uh, clients, the front desk staff, assistants, or and other healthcare professionals in your clinic. And on that note, I'll let Sarush take it away. All right. Thanks, Slava. Great intro on the final podcast. So we're super excited. Um, and, you know, a lot of these uh, tips that we're giving is definitely some trial and error from our end as well to refine some of the things that we've done to maximize our uh, success in the first few months. Now, the first one that we're going to be talking about is um, is essentially the understanding the clinic processes component, right? That's definitely a very important one you want to focus on because for you to go in and really get a good feel for all the different processes, which we'll tell you in a second, um, it's important because you're going to be more comfortable with the operations of the clinic, more you'll get into the groove of things, and things will be a little bit easier, so you don't have to spend a lot of your uh, energy trying to learn how to do things three to four months later when you could have done it all in the beginning, right? So the first one that's really important, obviously, is the onboarding. Now, the onboarding sometimes is not all in your hand, right? It's going to be also dependent on the company, uh, how much onboarding they do, whether it's uh, a week or two weeks, a month, three months, whatever it is. So you're going to have to kind of work with the, the people who are giving you the onboarding, whether it's with HR, whether it's the clinic owner, whether it's the clinic manager. Um, first of all, there should be an onboarding process in place. And so once you do the onboarding, you always have to be ready to uh, ask a lot of the questions that were not answered through the onboarding process, right? That, which that brings us to our second point, right? You want to ask as much questions as you can. You want to make sure you're always asking questions, you're, you're staying curious about how things work, how things are done, what's the general process of things in that clinic, because sometimes processes are different from clinic to clinic. Uh, so don't make assumptions if you are coming from another clinic um, and you're still a new grad, etc. But make sure to understand their processes and what they are doing more specifically. Now, the third one that is also really important is understanding the processes in terms of paperwork. So it really, again, depends on what clinic you are, uh, what clinic you're working in, because each clinic will have their different types of clientele that they attract. So let's say you're working with a clinic that's mainly uh, with a private clientele that pay either through extended healthcare or uh, out of pocket, whatever it is. There might be not as much paperwork associated with that. Now let's say there's a clinic that you're going to be working with and 
they take a lot of uh, motor vehicle accidents, uh, a lot of workplace uh, safety, uh, WSIB clients, uh, any other types of clients where that requires you to fill out paperwork, you want to make sure you understand how their processes uh, is in terms of filling that paperwork, making sure it's filled in and given to the appropriate individuals on time, and also it's filled in as best as you could be, right? And it's okay to always ask for help for these paperwork. There's always therapists who've been working there for a while. They've done the paperwork a bunch of times. You can always ask them to help you with some of the paperwork you might not be familiar with because physio school doesn't have enough time to teach you all the different paperwork. They give you a little bit of a taste of some, some of the different paperwork that might be associated with different individuals, but to actually understand how to do it well and how to do it on time, you have to really get in there and actually do the paperwork and try it out yourself, right? And the fourth one that we really want to emphasize is get really familiar with the equipment and the location of the equipment. Now, let's say there's uh, certain weights you want to use, um, there's certain bands you want to use, or certain modalities you want to use, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you understand how to use it because that's also a twofold thing. One, it helps you be a little bit smoother when you're providing the care with the equipment so you don't have to be stumbling around looking for things, which doesn't look too professional from the clinic, uh, the client's perspective. And the second thing is you also want to make sure that when the client comes in, which we'll talk about some of the relationship building things that we do with the clients, is you can essentially point them to areas where things are. So let's say if it's a client that comes in who usually does a workout before they do um, any physiotherapy uh, services, then you know they have to understand where things are. And if you don't know where things are, then you can't really... Uh, show them where things are as well. But at the same time, it just makes your life a little bit easier to, uh, when you're looking for things, you know, mid-session, so it doesn't take up a lot of time. You're not wasting time, you know, running around the clinic looking for a ball to, <laughs> to work with, right? Um, yeah, so the other one, the last one we do want to really emphasize on this one is getting familiar with the charting systems and software that you use. Now, if your clinic is using paper charting, you also want to see uh, where they store the extra chart papers that you can use that are fresh uh, for fresh assessments, where you store the current charts, where the charts, um, where the old charts are. Sometimes you might get returning clients with old paper charts. Um, so there's a lot of those things that you want to talk with the individuals to get an under understanding. Um, and in terms of different softwares, right? So some people use uh, certain softwares you might have used on either placements or previous jobs. So you might be familiar with them, but then there's also softwares that you may have never used. So it's important for you to get a little bit of a tutorial from someone there, from one of the staff, where all the things are, where the buttons are, how how to submit forms, how to chart, etc. how you can access those charts. Because again, you want to make sure you get all these small processes and things that are, are going to help you be successful with the whole uh, operations of providing the service and being a part of the clinic are going very smoothly. Mm -hmm. And um, you've made a lot of uh, great points, Sarush. Uh, one thing that I could add is uh, understanding clinic processes is absolutely essential to your success because um, these are the processes that are established to make you successful as much mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do is you have to prepare for these processes and refine them for when you're 80 to 100% booked up on your schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning, as your uh, patient schedule is building, you still have a little bit of wiggle room to make some mistakes and have some inefficiencies in your actions. But as soon as uh, that patient caseload builds up to 80 to 100%, you must be operating efficiently, right? And mm -hmm. the processes, the recurring kind of actions in your day-to-day -day 
they're the ones that drive that success. Now, in my experience, I have a couple of uh, little things that um, um, make me a little bit more successful in terms of uh, uh, patient management from the clinic processes. So you mentioned getting familiar with the location of equipment and where everything's located. But the one thing I'd say is find out where you could have a little bit of personal space in the clinic as well, where you can sit down, work on the paperwork, um, and do some charting. I do that in a specific area where you can see the door as the clients are coming in. So when I see them walk through the door, right away I know that they're there and I'm not wasting time uh, wondering if they're coming in or not, or I'm not running to the waiting room checking in if they're uh, here or not, right? So that helps, those little kind of things help with the efficiency of the whole operation and uh, uh, drive a little bit of extra success and time management. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing uh, I want to talk about is onboarding. Uh, that process is extremely important because um, a thorough onboarding process, w- which uh, lets you know about the clinic processes as well as certain expectations of you in the clinic, um, is crucial for you to begin in the first uh, couple of weeks to a month. And um, develop from there because if the onboarding process is not as great then you waste a lot of time um, on your own um, coming coming up with questions that um, you could could have been avoided with a good onboarding process mm-hmm. and and I do want to add one small thing as well to the other point that I made in terms of charting softwares which you know Slava uh, has a cool technique to make sure that he has a view of the door when people come in um, different charting systems also have certain little um, indicators that will tell you if the clients there or not so uh, one of the clinics um, that we have and with even with Jane if anybody's used Jane before which we've used in uh, previous uh, workplaces as well um, the color changes and when the color changes um, similar to Jane and other softwares uh, that can indicate if the client is there or not so having that I usually do a two window thing where if I'm doing any charting from a previous client etc I have the other window right beside me so I can see the color change as soon as it, the person is here um, and then that is also a pretty useful t- uh, tactic that I've used but at the same time again it's going to really depend on the software that you use that's why it's very important to try to really understand it play with it a little bit obviously don't accidentally make charts and stuff but make sure you're really understanding um, what all the buttons or little little indicators really mean exactly now it's time to move on to the next segment which is optimizing your personal uh, work environment as well so the number one uh, advice I would say to new grads is uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, any, whenever you're coming into a new work environment and are trying to develop certain processes that make you successful, it's never going to be perfect, but it will. Um, you can always uh, make those mistakes and then uh, incorporate them into your future processes so that you're a little bit more efficient every single day or from week to week. So... Uh, that's why it's important for you to establish um, a system to track your performance. Mm-hmm. So these could be weekly self-evaluations or performance review with your clinic director. Um, so on certain podcasts with different individuals like Rick Lau, Daryl Yardley, they mentioned what gets uh, measured gets managed. So if you're setting up these weekly self-evaluations and some performance reviews with your clinic director, you will tend to improve your performance week to week and month to month. And uh, that's what we're all about in improving and continuous growth as a clinician and as a 
professional. So um, as you establish those um, relationships with your uh, clinic director or your superior healthcare professional, like a physio, uh, you can also get tips from them uh, on caseload management. So in the beginning, uh, it's unlikely that you'll get a full schedule right away unless you're taking over for another physiotherapist. Uh, so you will have to ease into your 100% um, uh, busyness of the caseload, right? So just get those tips from other physiotherapists in the clinic and um, your clinic director on how to build up your caseload in order to um, optimize your patient relations and uh, your performance as a physio. Um, you want to understand exactly um, how your schedule works. So that just means the physical schedule. If you're working the eight hours, make sure that you know uh, what days or what hours you're working. I know it seems like a very obvious thing, but when you're explaining patients want to book in with you, you wanna let them know exactly what days and what hours um, you work so that they can book in into your schedule. And you wanna understand also uh, fee schedules for different types of patients. So MVAs, WSABs, private patients uh, all have different um, fee schedules and you want to make sure that you reflect that in the when you're explaining to them how the treatment plan is going to go and um, reflect that with your paperwork which relates back to the charting as well. Um, the last couple of points um, just establish ahead of time a schedule for mentorship. Um, ideally you would negotiate that in your contract because mentorship is an amazing and crucial part of growth mm -hmm. for you as a professional mm -hmm. and uh, as a person in general. So ideally you meet with your uh, mentor in regular during regular intervals where you can discuss some of the things that um, you can improve while working in the clinic. Be that again, uh, patient caseload, specific clinical cases that you want to work on or any other questions that you may have uh, get answered during those mentorship sessions. And uh, lastly, this is a luxury available to uh, clinics where there are multiple physiotherapists or uh, healthcare professionals, but ideally you could get more senior therapists to come and shadow you in your, um, within your first month just to make sure that you're um, interacting with the patients properly and that you're um, kind of uh, treating them in the right way where you're exemplifying confidence and so showcasing some of that expertise that you've uh, gained over your placements as well as over um, some of those clinical hours that you've been practicing as well. And now, Sarush, I want to ask you, what are the ways that you optimize your personal work environment in that first month? Yeah, so honestly, there's a few things that I had to start doing, especially to keep up with some of the paperwork. Um, I had to create checklists on my, um, uh, like for myself to make sure that I'm on top of the paperwork because the paperwork can really add up if you just kind of let it sit there so and that's only for obviously if, there, if you're dealing with any if it's insurance companies because there is you know those are definitely timeline based you want to get them in as soon as you can establish that communication as soon as you can with the uh, adjusters with the other insurance individuals um, the other thing is in order to try to keep up with the the caseload at the beginning um, uh, depending on the model, I asked if I could have about five to ten minutes in between clients just so I can get used to the flow of things. Um, and, you know, the they were very easy to work with me with that, and they did help me build my caseload slowly. So that was 
really helpful. Now, the other thing that I do also want to emphasize that you also mentioned is the two things, one being mentorship, absolutely crucial, right? And that's the first thing that we talked to with uh, the individuals at our clinics to make sure that, you know, we have this uh, thing set up so that we can get our questions answered um, as, as well as the shadowing, right? Um, because, you know, in those first few weeks, you will, like Slava said, you will make mistakes, right? And that's okay. It's not, you know, terrible to make mistakes. It's good because you're learning. But you also want to make sure you're definitely learning from the mistakes, right? If you don't know what mistakes you're making, uh, then you might not exactly know how to improve that. That's why getting the other individuals who have worked for years at the clinic, looking how you do things, they'll get an idea of where you can improve, right? And nothing should be taken, obviously, personally. It's it's a, it's a feedback system, right, that you set up with the individuals at the clinic. And it's super helpful. You know, we've done that, you know, even, um, you know, we've kind of try to give feedback on each other, Slava and I, in terms of our uh, operations in the clinic and how we handle certain situations. So that has been super helpful, right? So if you have another classmate even, um, asking them to watch you if they have time or someone else to shadow you, et cetera, that could even be a possibility, right? It really depends on what you have available to you. Um, so definitely keep those in mind. But there are a lot of ways that you can, you know, track these performances, but you want to make sure to um, not beat yourself up if you make mistakes, right? That's the most important thing. The first few weeks are definitely hard to get used to the process and the people coming in, so definitely make sure to have uh, these things set up. Now, we do want to transition into the third section and the last section that we want to talk about today is establishing the proper relationship with clients, with the front desk, and any other professionals that are in the clinic. So the first and honestly one of the most important parts of this is establishing a method of communication with your supervisors. Now this is super important. So every person again is different. Some people will prefer text, some people will prefer email, some people would prefer phone calls or maybe even come to their office when they're not with a client. So make sure to get that in as soon as possible. You know, I remember me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a texter. I like to text. I think it's just faster for me. I send emails to certain people for certain things, obviously, but texting is the fastest for me and I asked if that was an okay communication for them. They agreed. And so that's kind of one of the things that I do now with the uh, supervisors or the clinic managers or the clinic owners. So that's been super helpful. Um, in terms of of introducing yourself to everyone and what you're all about that's those first few weeks right you come in you want to see who works there whether it's other physios other healthcare professionals the front desk the assistants whoever it is you want to introduce yourself to those individuals give them a little bit of a background about yourself what your treatment styles are from what you've discovered um, what you're all about essentially right so you want to make sure everyone understands who you are you establish a good rapport with the individuals in the clinic so you have a good working relationship with all the members of the clinic so that's very important as well which having a good work environment really does influence your work productivity and efficiency make sure that uh, make sure that you know you're having a good time while you're at the clinic right so that's another important point. The other important point that we want to uh, you want to establish early on is setting kind of expectations for working together. How do you 
you want to ask the other people, how can we work together where we're not stepping on each other's toes, where we can work together the best way possible. And this really especially becomes important if you have uh, assistants or if you have kins that you're working with. What are the relationships? What are the roles, right? Really clarifying that with the other people, how you want them to be introduced to your clients when they're working with you. Um, how do you want them to approach a certain uh, exercise or certain thing that you might be asking them to help you with, um, getting to know them and their skills, etc. So those are all really important in the first few weeks as well because if you want to, for example, use an assistant, use a kin, um, especially you want to make sure that you know you are familiar with what their skill sets are. You obviously got consent from the individual you're working with, um, uh, the client, uh, and uh, you want to introduce them the best way possible to make sure that the client also understands this is part of the team and part of the care if that's the model in the clinic, right? Uh, so it really depends, but that's something that you should do with the individuals. But um, you also need to kind of understand what the different styles of practice are among different professionals in the clinic, so not just with the assistants, and how to essentially be successful in a multidisciplinary clinic. Um, because, for example, if you have other professions or disciplines and, you know, you could be essentially, if, the, if you need something, how do you want... Uh, them to uh, get the referral if you need something. For example, if you have a physician working, right, and you want to refer them for something, um, how do you want that referral to happen, right? How do you want that to be set up so that the physician gets the referral and it's efficient and it's not something that's going to be more load on the physician or whether it's uh, it could be a chiro or a massage therapist, whoever it is, right? Just establishing those types of communications among the different professionals will also become very important. Now, when it comes to the clients themselves, it's also very important to you know, have some tips in mind um, because at the end of the day, you have to make sure your approach with the client is also a positive experience to make sure that they understand why they're coming in, um, give them an overview of the treatment plan. Um, a lot of people will ask, when am I going to get better? So give these appropriate estimate, obviously timelines, and make sure they understand this also milestone-based, um, what the expected frequency is uh, for them to come in, um, etc., and uh, what the best method of communication is with your clients. That's also a good one. Uh, for example, do they? if you need to get in touch with them, do you want them to uh, email you? Do you want them to, uh, do you want, sorry, should you email them or should you call them or uh, how how can you get in touch with them? Do they give you consent to do that, right? There's also those components of that as well. So make sure you're establishing those in the first few weeks and your first um, five to ten uh, clients that, you're, that uh, are coming to your clinic. And at the end of the day, as you're going through, there's going to be obviously certain areas where your communication will need work. So you just have to, again, through feedback from the uh, other therapists, through weekly performance evaluations, uh, through other people shadowing you, they'll be able to pick out some areas where your communication might need work. And over time, in those first few months, uh, first month uh, or so, you can really refine your communication with the clients. And at the end of the day, that's one of the most important parts of your care as well, is the communication piece. So make sure you really work on that and understand how to communicate the best way you can with your clients. So Slava, what are your thoughts on this topic? Well, Sarush, I feel like the relationships are the ones that drive the working environment. And where the clinical processes are set up, that's what drives your success. But relationships are part of the clinic processes. Absolutely. Because um, you're always working with people, right? That's our 
what our profession is all about. And um, one of the biggest um, one of the biggest points that I really love what you mentioned is uh, setting expectations for uh, working together uh, with the other health professionals, specifically mm-hmm. your assistants, because you're definitely responsible for them, right? Um, to make sure that they love the way you're working with them and you love the way they're working with you, right? So mm-hmm. everybody has uh, their own little um, treatment style, right? So you want to let everybody know around you what your treatment style is and uh, kind of uh, work with them on their style as well. And the biggest thing that drives relationships is always communication, right? Mm -hmm. So communication is absolutely, absolutely crucial, not only for the patient experience, but also for, again, working with uh, in a multidisciplinary clinic, as well as uh, with some of the assistants. Because if you communicate in a great and respectful manner, then all parties will be satisfied, right? So you want to make mm-hmm. sure you create that uh, um, sense of culture, at least through your communication, right? Where you um, are able to communicate in a nice, concise way, but also very respectful. Mm-hmm. With the patients, it's extremely important to communicate to uh, again, set those expectations. And what I usually do is my policy is open and honest communication because even if um, sometimes there is a, an amazing fit with a patient, right? But sometimes you're still searching for that fit as you're going through the assessment and some of the treatment sessions. So I want to know how do my clients prefer to be um, communicated to and how do they prefer to interact as well? Mm-hmm. So even if it's a um, uh, less than positive feedback, I always appreciate it to make sure that I know what to do better for them and for other similar patients in the future. How about you, Sarush? Yeah, I actually uh, was thinking about one of the clients I had who um, came from another clinic and she was very unhappy with how things were at the previous clinic because um, they weren't communicating well with her. And she told me um, she'd go in and she had no idea who she was going to meet, um, you know, what she needed to do, what the process, she was very, like, kind of getting a little bit uh, frustrated with uh, the whole processing and the communication component. And then when she came to, to under my care, um, you know, she did mention that she really did appreciate the communication aspect because, again, I did, like, I, like we talked about here, I, I usually try to introduce them um, to the clinic, show them where everything is, uh, introduce them to the the assistants that if they're walking by, I'll say, oh, this is so and so, and he'll likely be working with you in the future at some point. But we'll talk about that a little bit later, etc., <laughs> etc. Et so um, the way kind of I approached it was a lot better from her perspective, and she was a lot more happy with the overall process of things. And and that communication, again, not only is important for the, the clients, but also important with the people you work with, right? Because you're going to be working with them for a while, so you want to establish those communications early so that there's no built-up frustration or any tension between any of the workers uh, in the workplace as well. So I think that's also very important. Exactly, and that's exactly what drives the patient experience right she lack of communication she had a negative experience in the other clinic she comes to you she's very impressed and uh, really happy with the overall experience right so guys we're super super excited to bring you this series of uh, four different podcasts uh, taking you through um, the four kind of steps in your job acquisition journey from finding the clinic to rocking your interview 
to the negotiations of the contract and to finally rocking your first month on the job. Uh, if you have any feedback, please uh, get, shoot us an email at uh, info at ptbusinesscorner.com. Uh, on our Instagram or Facebook channel, we really appreciate all of the comments that have been pouring in lately and uh, we appreciate the support and this is why we do all of this for you and to provide you with some um, information about our experience and how to improve your uh, journey through these four steps. Um, and thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll speak to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.